Welcome to Southern New Hampshire University's Social Sciences podcast, Agents of Change. Here we invite students and professionals to chat with us on topics of inclusion and diversity, student success, and their learning experiences. In this podcast, we will hear insights and personal accounts of people who have persisted against the odds and impacted positive social change. Join us as we learn how we can all be positive agents of change. Welcome to the podcast, Agents of Change. I'm your host for this episode, Laman Tash. During this episode, we will be talking about supporting female learners at SNU in general, especially in programs which prepare students for the professional fields where women are still underrepresented. I would like to welcome our special guest, Dr. Gwen Britton. Dr. Britton is a vice president for the product strategy at SNU. Dr. Britton is a computer scientist, engineer, and mathematician. She's a former executive director of online STEM programs at SNU. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Gwen. Thank you, Lamont. I'm so happy to be here. It's our pleasure to have you in one of the most important functions in higher education is to prepare its learners for the professional world after graduation. There are still a lot of industries such as STEM, engineering, computer sciences, but also politics or law enforcement where women are underrepresented. There are much less women than men in almost all leadership positions across the industries. This creates additional challenges for the female graduates entering these fields. Dr. Britton, you have a background in the field of STEM and computer engineering, which have been and still are perceived to be reserved for males, although these perceptions are changing. In social sciences, a lot of jobs in politics and criminal justice have the same challenges for female professionals. In this episode, we would like to discuss how we can prepare our female learners for those professional areas where they still need to trailblaze their path to success and to leadership. My first question will be about your personal journey. How did you end up in your current professional field? Wow, that's, that's really a good question. Um, so I'm going to answer that in a, in a different way, maybe. So my journey definitely wasn't a straight line. I like didn't wake up one day and say, ooh, I want to be an engineer when I grew up. You know, that, that, was, that just wasn't the way my world unfolded. So if you were to take like a pot of cooled off boiled spaghetti, throw it up in the air and then watch it land on the ground and it makes a graph, that was kind of the graph of my journey. So basically a hot spaghetti mess. And I moved around a lot. I dropped in and out of college a whole bunch of different times. I was on this self-discovery mission because I couldn't really find myself and I didn't really know what I wanted to be until I ended up married with a baby at the ripe old age of 21. And at that point, that's when I was like, oh, gee whiz, I need to figure out how to adult and I need to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So the first job I ever had was as a dishwasher. And then I moved to a breakfast waitress and then I became a lifeguard and then I had to rescue somebody. And then I decided I didn't want to be a lifeguard. I tried my luck as a stained glass artist. I worked as a bank teller. I managed a Chuck E. Cheese. I worked at a hospital as an outpatient clerk. I basically bounced around a whole bunch of different times. Didn't have a college education. I went to college, I dropped out. But what I discovered is that as I started to do all of these different things, certain things started to emerge that I found that I was really interested in. 
So when I was a kid, I was always really, really good at math and I was really good at solving puzzles. I was really good at solving problems and all the different things that I did. And I loved to build and take things apart and put them back together. So when I did finally go back to school, I ended up realizing that math was my thing. And while I was doing a math major, I had earned enough credits at all the gazillion different colleges I went to, to also get a degree in computer science. So I did that. So when I graduated from college, I really had no idea what I wanted to be. And a friend of mine was a principal at a high school. And he said, you know, Gwen, you'd be an awesome math teacher. And I thought, oh, I'm not real sure I want to do that because I'm not particularly fond of children. But okay, let's try that. So I tried my luck as, as a math teacher. And while the kids really liked me, I wasn't a very effective math teacher. And the kids didn't wake up every day super excited to come to my class and learn math. So because I had a degree in computer science, I also started to work as their chief technology officer. And that's when I kind of started building out my chops in the tech space. I also had a little flair for education because that's where I was. And all of those things merged into interest and opportunities. And that's how I kind of started in the world of education and tech. And I did a lot of other things in between there. I worked as a software engineer. Um, and then I also ended up, after being a software engineer, presented at a conference and somebody at Keene State saw my, conference, my presentation and said, oh, you should come be a college professor. So that's how I ended up at Keene State. Went back to being a software engineer because I couldn't afford to survive. And I, by this time, had two kids and was divorced. And then ended up in higher education and worked in lots of different places. And ta-da, that's how I got here today. Spaghetti. <laughs> so it was a kind of a chain of kind of accidental, right, events that brought you to Absolutely. But what factors made you feel like, yeah, this is the field where I want to progress. This is the field where I want to stay because this is not a traditional, exactly not traditional field for females still, like mothers and grandmothers. Yes. In most of the cases, don't tell. I know your grandma was a yeah. little bit different, yeah. but most grandmothers don't tell their daughters, hey, girl, please be, I don't know, computer scientist or go to physics or go to STEM. Oh, yeah. Um, well, what's really interesting about that is because I was always good at math, uh, that wasn't a thing that wasn't necessarily a girl thing when I was in school. You know, it's lots of girls were really good at math and I did math and I really liked it. And I was also in band um, and played lots of different instruments. And I didn't realize what the relationship was between band, music and computer science until later. And that's one of the things that really struck me. So if you think about it, when you're, when you're looking at a piece of sheet music, it's actually code. So if you ask somebody who can't read sheet music to look at that sheet music and do something with it, they kind of freak out and go, I, I don't even know what all that gibberish is all over that piece of paper. So I have no idea how to decode that and make something of it. And that's really how I ended up in computer science, not because somebody told me it was a thing, I just didn't know it was a thing that maybe wasn't a thing that girls did. It just was really fascinating to me. So that, that's kind of how mm -hmm. I ended up doing it. And coming from the inner passion yeah. related to your hobbies or exactly. to other things in your exactly. life. Very interesting. Yeah. When you were in that field, what helped you most to like progress? Any features, any factors? What was something mm -hmm. that you found 
in yourself most helpful to mm. you to again like we're talking about trailblazing right, right? giving a path we're talking about environment where there are not a lot of still there are not a lot of female like mentors or role models yeah well i i guess i would phrase that maybe a little bit different like thinking about the things that got in my way instead of the things that helped me because i had to get past the things that got in my way before i was able to overcome them right so i think about gender in particular right i would run into three three big things right i wouldn't be welcome because i was a girl and i might have been pointed to different kinds of paths or been blocked from promotions because i was a girl and i also didn't have a voice in some of the conversations and i may not be respected again because i was a girl so those were the three things that i ran into all along the way my whole my whole growing up life's like the first one for example not being welcome because of my gender so boys only was like a super big blocker when i was a kid i wanted to play baseball i wanted to do the pineward Der- pineward derby you know which is like a thing that the cub scouts do and i wasn't allowed to do those things because of my gender i happened to be super lucky because i have two brothers and my brothers didn't really see a difference between my gender and their gender they didn't understand why i couldn't play baseball with them and i couldn't do the pinewood derby because i was actually really good at them so my brothers were the ones that really kind of said well you can totally do this you're just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can't do it and so my two brothers i got to thank them they were the ones that really kind of made me think well, it doesn't matter if I'm a girl or a boy, they they're fine with it. So if they're fine with it, all boys are fine with it because they were the only boys that I really knew. So that was something that was really instilled upon me from a young age that it didn't matter whether or not I was a girl. I could do whatever I wanted, and that was really because my brothers encouraged me to do all of those. And ever since then, I've been kind of a feisty person. I know, hard to believe, right? but feisty. And I'd be like, all right, bring it. If you tell me I can't do it just because I'm a female, well, let me show you, I can do it and I can do it better than you. So I think a lot of that came from growing up. And then the second one, you actually mentioned this a minute ago is being pointed to different careers or being blocked from promotion. So I can remember when I was in high school, um, I loved math, like I said, but my handwriting was absolutely terrible, 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 terrible. So my math teacher suggested that I take typing so that I could type my math homework so he could read my answers. And then my mother encouraged me, well, you should go to secretarial school because you now know how to type and that should be a thing that you want to be. And, you know, at the end of the day, I was encouraged to do things like that, like go to secretarial school, become an executive assistant, uh, do these different things. But none of those things interested me. Ironically, what was good about that is now keep in mind I'm, I grew up learning how to type on a thing that was not an electric typewriter because they didn't have those when I was in high school, which meant that my fingers are very dexterous and I can type super super fast, and oddly that is a skill that somebody who's a computer scientist values greatly. So I can type code like nobody's business because I learned how to type but i never would have thought that that would have applied in my job further down the road. So anyway, that that was one thing being pointed to a different career, but also being blocked from promotions, right? So a i might not have gotten looked at for different promotions because and i and i can give you an example of where this happened. Uh when i lived in Wyoming, i was a bank teller. 
And don't get me wrong, I was wonderful at it and personable and all of those things. And I got bored really quickly. So I would make up these games to play with myself. I might have had, you know, a line of 30 soldiers out the door, but I figured out how to cash checks and count money faster than anybody else. And my game with myself was, could I make the line shorter than everybody else's so everybody would come to my window and I would just be the busiest person. But while I was doing that, I got really bored and I really wanted to be a manager. And there was a position that came open to be the head teller. So I opened, you know, I applied for the job. I spent days and days and days putting together my resume, gave it to the hiring manager. And uh, the manager just kind of laughed and he, he tossed my resume into the trash. And here's what he said to me. He said, why would anybody take a pretty little thing like you seriously? I, I kid you not. And so I, I was, I'm still speechless because I remember that to the day and I remember exactly what I felt like. So at that point I was like, well, okay, then I quit. And I walked out right then because I thought there's no way that I'm not going to get the respect that I deserve. I'm not going to be able to rise up the ranks here. And then I ended up um, applying for a job with the state of Wyoming and they hired me on the spot. And the reason they did was because I actually, one, knew how to type. And I also had learned how to do some database stuff as part of my first college experience, understanding that I hadn't graduated yet. So they gave me an opportunity to become a database administrator because I was the only person that A, knew how to type and B, actually knew how to use a computer and three, could actually do the work that they were trying to get done. So that, it didn't matter my gender. It mattered not that I had a degree program. I just happened to come to the table with the skills. So that's an example of, you know, being blocked from promotions or a career. And then the last one really has to do with having a voice and being respected and having um, equal opportunities to be part of something. So I've always been super energetic. I've always been a really, really happy person, very motivated and very extroverted. And because of who I am and who I look like and what I look like, I run into immediate judgment from people that don't know me. So remember the bank teller story I told you about where, oh, pretty little thing, you can't possibly be respected for this kind of a job. I wasn't given the opportunity to use my voice and my intellect to show this person that I had what it took to do the job. So in some cases, people will immediately shut you down just because of who you are, how you show up and what you look like. And that's a terrible thing. So all of those things rolled together really put you as a person in a precarious position because you then really start to lose that self-confidence and then you stop trying. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but hopefully it addressed it. Yeah. No, but that you, you point so many great things here, biases that still persist in a lot of these industries. Yes, we have made progress. We have more females in even those positions. STEM, engineering, even like politics, people who run for office in law enforcement, but there are still a lot of biases and some of them, according to studies, still prevail. And if I understand you correctly, what helped you is confidence in your own skills, but confidence that you were deriving from other factors than job and having a right fit, like fit of, of skills to the job, which nobody could deny and nobody could disqualify. Again, if, if I understood you correctly. Unfortunately, today, again, like if we look at a lot of fields, those biases are still prevailing. My then 
given the time frame, my next question will be how we can prepare our female students like to face them. We have like in sciences, uh, I think in political sciences, 50-50 in terms of females. In criminal even less. I know that in a lot of like STEM engineering programs, there are even less. What can we do to prepare them to face those biases and obstacles? Absolutely. So there's, there's three things, and these three things didn't come from me. These things came from an organization that I belong to, which is NCWIT, which I think stands for the National Center for Women in Information Technology. And, and they, they talk about this all the time. They help coach you into how do you help move things forward, specifically for women in technology. But these are relevant to any career field. And those three things are make it matter, build confidence and professional identity, and grow an inclusive community. So when they talk about making things matter, as an educator in a classroom, making whatever it is that you're doing meaningful and relevant to whatever that content is, always address whatever the misconceptions are about the field that might make somebody take a course someplace else or not pursue uh, uh, that particular career field. So really address those um, misconceptions and then try to make the connections matter. Interdisciplinary connections really opens up opportunities for lots of folks and they don't think about that and give learners a choice. You know, if, if there's a project that they have to do that's related to this thing, make it so that it aligns to their interests and focuses on what that career field is, making it matter to them so it's meaningful. So that's really, really important. The second one in building confidence and professional idea, identity, that's huge because if you're not giving encouragement in the right way, and you don't offer students-centered assessment, which basically allows for that metacognition and helps learners examine what they're learning and how they're learning and how they fit and what does it mean to me and, and how do I look in that and really mitigate stereotype threat because that's huge and that will shut somebody down immediately. And then last but not least is really that growing an inclusive community. Again, avoiding stereotypes, which sometimes can be super, super hard Make sure you do um, what I'll call well-structured collaborative learning. That's not like group projects where people divide and conquer. It's really where the voices are all heard working collaboratively to get to a different solution. And last but not least, encourage students to talk to each other and in all shapes and sizes, find your affinity group, find that group that makes you feel like you belong, but also step out of your comfort zone and see what that feels like and practice those interactions so that you can in fact become a self-advocate, excited, self-confident, and be able to just move forward in all the things that you wanna be able to do. This is a great advice for educators. And I can see if we have uh, our learners among listeners or any students among listeners, how we can even translate right yes. this advice to them. Be confident, look for communities of support build wide range of skills that can be easily yeah. transferable across different occupations. Yeah. Again, from what I've heard, anything else that they can get from? Uh, believe in yourself. You know, uh, we all show up to places where we feel like a big ginormous imposter, you know, that you're like, oh my goodness, I'm the only one that doesn't know this, or gee, maybe that person over there is smarter than me. No, truly believe in yourself. Know what you're capable of. 
and never be afraid to take chances. Everybody screws up all the time. But once you screw up, you learn and you become a much wiser, smarter person. And next time, pick up your bootstraps and approach it in a different way, but never give up. That is a great advice. Thank you so much. This was wonderful insights again for our learners, for our students. This is Lemantash, and that was your episode of Agents of Change. Thank you for listening to Southern New Hampshire University's Agents of Change, a social sciences podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, and be on the lookout for more exciting episodes. Goodbye for now.